Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are live. It is a Thursday morning. Welcome in Spartan Nation to the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Really excited to have you. If it's your first time, welcome in. Make sure you hit that back catalog and and go through some of the previous episodes. We started this thing up a couple months ago and we got a lot of good stuff for you. Broke down all the coaching staff hires. We broke down our five favorite games in MSU history. Me and a couple of my buddies hopped on um, and talked about that. A little stroll down memory lane. My top 40 MSU quarterbacks of all time went through a top 40 list. So you'll get basically every quarterback that you can remember on there. A, a lot of fun stuff on there. So if it's your first time listening, make sure you go back and check some of that out. And of course, if it's not your first time, welcome back. Thank you for the support. Uh, for everybody, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you're listening. Make sure you subscribe. Drop a review. When you do that, leave a question for me, and I'll make sure that I get to it in the next podcast. Um, whatever you want to ask about MSU football, the Big Ten, about you know alcohol, about you know my my favorite cocktail, a- anything you want to know about me, about Michigan State about uh, you know my my least favorite teams. That I, I don't care. You can ask whatever you want, and I'll make sure I get to it on the podcast. Um, last week, we had a bunch of good stuff co- talking about conference realignment, uh, a lot of good stuff there. So really appreciate all the support. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at StandingRoomMSU. You can also tweet me there for some mailbag. If you know any questions that you have, make sure you get them in there at StandingRoomMSU. We've had we've done a lot of polls recently. We've had a lot of fun stuff, so make sure you give that a follow. Uh, today's episode is going to be a lot of fun. I went through and watched the entire Pinstripe Bowl. They have the full clip on YouTube, so if you want to catch up before you listen, uh, make sure you head over to YouTube. They have the full game, so if you want to kind of get back and, and remember some, at least some of the highlights or what happened in that game, you want to watch it and then tune in and, and listen to my thoughts on the game. I have five big takeaways um, from my viewing of that game and and trying to focus on some of the younger guys that are going to be, you know, coming back to the team this year and, and beyond, you know, trying to to keep my eyes away from the guys that I know are graduating or I know are heading to the NFL. So uh, focusing on the younger guys, watched back through that pinstripe bowl, and I have five big takeaways 
from that game as we stand here now that you know we've had some time to, time to digest we've had a new coaching staff come in um so i'm really excited to get to that we have at the end of the podcast today uh brought this up on twitter this came from our group chat with some of my buddies and uh, if the 14 Big Ten mascots basically had like a Mortal Kombat style uh, battle royale, you know, who would come out on top? So so I have some thoughts there at the end. Um, I, I'll get to some people on Twitter who responded. We had, we had a lot of fun with that one. Um, so we'll, we'll definitely get to that as well. But um, before we do all of that, I do want to let you know we, we've been powered by StandingRoomSports.com. Again, a website that I started with my friends Scott, TJ, uh, my buddy Marshall, who will be coming on here at, at some point as well. Uh, we all started the StandingRoomSports.com website a couple years back, and we decided that it was time for a rebrand. Uh, basically, uh, of course, with the, the introduction of the podcast, we decided that we would actually just go ahead and rebrand it, standingroomspartans.com. So really excited for that. Go ahead, check that out, please. Um, all of our old articles are still available. So we made sure to, to go ahead and bring all those over. Got something like 80 articles going through Michigan State football, some Michigan State basketball stuff, so a lot of NFL draft stuff from myself. I, I am a diehard draft guy, so you'll see a lot of uh, NFL draft stuff on there. Uh, make sure you go ahead and check that out, standingroomspartans.com. We just launched it yesterday, so uh, really excited about that. But let's go ahead and get into it again. We'll start with uh, my Five big takeaways from the Pinstripe Bowl. Again, went back and watched it. Um, if you want to go ahead and refresh yourself, the whole game is available on YouTube, the whole two and a half hours. Um, there are a couple of, you know, the kind of quick cut, long highlight type of, of reels, you know, 15 minutes just to get an idea of the game flow and, you know, trying to remember that. So, you know, if you want to go ahead and, and watch that on YouTube real quick and then come back, um, just to get refresh yourself with your thoughts of that game, uh, then then be my guest. I would I would love to have some interaction on Twitter of uh, what you thought of the game. But again, you know, now that we've had six months or so to to really let the end of the season sink in, the new coaching staff is in. I, I wanted to go back to to the end of the season where we we played a really good game. You know, you go back through that. It, it was a uh, back and forth game the offense actually looked pretty explosive pretty good some big defensive plays obviously the Mike Panisuk pick six the big man touchdown you love to see that but it was a great game and and something that I I think the momentum of of the end of that season kind of gets lost with the way that you know with D'Antonio stepping down and and it was late in the process we're scrambling to find a head coach and then COVID comes up um, and I, I think the momentum of winning that bowl game kind of gets lost on folks. And, and again, I have five big takeaways that we'll talk about here uh, in just a moment. But, but it, was, it was a really good performance all around, and I think that gets lost on people. So I, I wanted to kind of go back and, and talk about it a little bit. So my first takeaway here, and something that kept coming up and flashing time and time again, is that Jalen Naylor is an absolute stud. 
This dude was making plays all game long. And it wasn't just the gadget RJ Shelton type stuff that we've seen, you know, RJ Shelton, Keyshawn Martin, a lot of the, you know, jet sweep screen passes. And of course there is some of that as well, but man, this guy is, is a complete wide receiver. You can put him out on the boundary and ask him to run a route against man to man coverage. He, obviously you, you know what we get out of him in the kick return punt return game. You can do a lot of those jet sweeps, a lot of the tunnel screens, a lot of bubble screens, and he's just a playmaker. So getting the ball in his hands is obviously going to be really important for us this year, and him staying healthy is going to be super important uh, because I really think this kid's got a a hell of a ceiling, and, and I'm really excited for what he can do in 2020 if we find a quarterback that's able to get him the ball because you know, in a game where we had Cody White and Daryl Stewart healthy for like the first time all year, Jalen Naylor was the one who kept popping as the best wide receiver on the field. It was just plain and simple. Daryl Stewart only had I think two or three catches in that game. Cody White made a pretty big impact. But Jalen Naylor, from the start of the game, I mean, every quarter there was one or two plays where you went, damn, man, that this guy's coming back. And, oh, man, that that's really exciting. So Jalen Naylor coming back. Being healthy, you know, he, he was this was his third game back from his foot injury, and and he just looked great all around again, and not not even just in the RJ Shelton gadget type role, but Jalen Naylor, I, I expect for him to have a big year when you really went back and watched some of the plays that he made. I mean, there was a kick return where he broke like three tackles at the beginning of the game. He took a bubble screen 25 yards after a broken tackle. He had a leaping catch on the sideline early in the the first half. He didn't quite get his foot down. It was not a great throw from Lewerke, but man, he went way up, skied over a corner, almost got his foot down in bounds, Um, and and you saw some of the flashes there. Later on in the game, he had another catch on the sideline where uh, he he was wide open. Lewerke overthrew him by, by a mile, but he went up in the air, came down with it in bounds for a first down. You know, he ran a little mesh route inside, sat in the middle of a zone in between the linebackers. I mean, this kid's just got a really good feel for the position. And again, he's he's just not he's not just the gadget type of player. I, I really think he can be a complete wide receiver that can be making plays for us all, all throughout 2020 if he can stay healthy and, and stay on the field. So Jalen Naylor is a stud. That that was the first takeaway, really. He, he popped so many times in that game when you go back and watch it. Now, my second takeaway here, we're going to move on to the defensive side of the ball. Um, and, and I was trying to watch these defensive linemen. Uh, you know, of course, a lot of them are just getting limited snaps. But, so it's tough, you know, when you have Kenny Willekes and Mike Panishuk and uh, Raekwon Williams in there taking most of the snaps. But the guys who you know got in there, Jacob Slade, Naquan Jones, Jacob Panishuk, obviously, uh, Drew Beasley in there. But there, there is a lot of talent, I, I really do believe, on this defensive line, but they need to be more consistent. So that's my second takeaway, that the young defensive linemen that were playing in this game, there were a lot of flashes, but there just needs to be more consistency. Naquan Jones is probably the best of the bunch. Uh, that that dude's explosive for 340 pounds, whatever he is. Um, again, go go to Standing Room MSU on Twitter. I posted a, a, 
short clip of one play where he just put this offensive lineman on roller skates right off the snap, moved this guard back like four yards into the backfield, forced the running back to redirect. And he has a couple of those plays where you just your jaw drops to the floor because he is he is incredibly explosive for his size. Um, but again, just needs to be a bit more consistent. Um, Jacob Slade made a few really good plays in the backfield in that game. He he is another one where he got an offensive lineman three or four yards into the backfield, forced the running back to cut back, and and we ended up rallying him around him at the line of scrimmage. So he basically forced a tackle for loss, even though he's not the one getting credit for it. He had a sack early in the game where, man, he just punched out at that offensive lineman with really powerful hands, put him on his heels, and then got in there pretty quick. And, and so he had a couple of really eye-popping plays, but again, just just wasn't really that consistent. Jacob Panishuk has a couple plays where you get him around the edge and some nice pass rush technique, but just not not that consistent coming around the edge. Beasley didn't get too many snaps in there, but again, one or two plays where, oh, okay, I, I like what I see there, but then just kind of disappears the rest of his snaps. And, you know, it's it's a double-edged sword here without getting a whole lot of snaps. Obviously, Jacob Panisuk was starting, but, you know, for the other guys, on one hand, you're not getting a whole lot of snaps, so you should be making an impact every time you get in there. You have all of your energy and and everything like that. But on the other hand, it's hard to get into a rhythm. It's hard to really get a feel for the offensive lineman across from you. So it, it, it's a tough position to not be a starter and to be expected to to jump in there and when your number's called, just get in there and make a play. It's it's a tough position. You're you're not really in the rhythm of the game. You're not you know, really feeling out this offensive lineman and what his tendencies are. But, you know, again, that my second takeaway here really is that the defensive line, this young defensive line that should be coming in next year, they showed some flashes, but they just are going to need to be more consistent if we're going to, you know, reach the the defensive heights that we have over the last few years, you know, after losing all of these guys across the defensive line and, and, and the linebackers and DBs. I mean, we lost so much talent from that 2019 defense. Obviously, those three def- defensive linemen that we mentioned, Joe Bocci's gone, Josiah Scott's gone, uh, Josh Butler. So um, if we're going to really return to the the defense that we've been expecting to see over the last few years, the defensive line is a huge part of that in this scheme. And they're just going to need to be more consistent because there is there is talent. There is a lot of talent on this group, but you're just going to need to be more consistent with it. So that's my second takeaway from this game. Third takeaway, I'm going to stay on this defensive side of the ball. Man, we need to find some linebackers. Uh, that, that was my a big takeaway that I kept, kept coming back to because in this game, again, Joe Bocci was out. So Noah Harvey ended up getting the spot number 45. He started played pretty much the whole game and I, I just couldn't find him on the screen. I mean, he wasn't really around the ball in, in this wake forest read option type of, of offense. They're, they're running 90 snaps a game. I mean, there's, there are plenty of opportunities to be around the ball with a running quarterback and a, a strong running game. 
there was a lot of opportunities for Noah Harvey to be around the ball making plays, and and I just didn't see it. I, I forgot he was in the game half the time. I was texting Scott, you know, while I was watching this game and just saying, "Man, I, I I'm trying to look for him. I'm trying to single him out and and pay attention to what he's doing, but." You know, he's just not around the ball very often and, and can't really shed blocks and, and get into the backfield. I mean, there was a play where they ran a bubble screen and a wide receiver just washed him out. That can't happen. You're a starting linebacker. You should be blowing up a wide receiver who's trying to block you. You should be laughing at a wide receiver who's trying to block you. So it's it's just, you know, hey, he's a young kid and he's got a lot of time to improve, you know, to to work on his body, to work on his technique, to work on watching film. But we're going to need to find some linebackers behind Antoine Simmons because we know how good Simmons is. Um, he's probably going to be a day two pick in the NFL. I, I really believe that. But behind him, the, there's just not a whole lot. And with Joe Bocci and Tyreek Thompson out the door, we're going to need to find a couple of them. So um, Noah Harvey, he had a rough game. He's, he showed some flashes in the last couple games that he was playing, but man, he did not look good against Wake Forest, and that was a rough game. So we're going to need to find some linebackers. That That's a big takeaway from watching this game is that without Joe Bocci in there, that group took quite a big of a quite a big hit um, without Bocci and, and Tyreek Thompson filling his role in the middle was okay. He made a couple plays. Noah Harvey playing on the outside. It just just didn't really see him around the ball. Didn't see him making any plays. So uh, really need somebody to step up there. Whether it's Klein, Harvey, um, one of these young guys that's coming in. Who knows? But um, I, again, we've talked about with Scotty Hazelton. He ran a lot of two linebacker, like nickel defenses um, at Kansas State last year. I'm not really sure what he's going to bring to the table in the Big Ten on a on a down to down basis. But you know, if even if we're just starting two linebackers, we're going to need some to find somebody other than Simmons. Um, and if we're playing three linebackers a lot of the time, man, that's that's going to be tough to find two that I feel comfortable with starting. So, my third takeaway here is that. We need to find a linebacker, and we need to find one quick. Uh, so without spring practice, without all of that, it's it's going to be really tough on the Mel Tucker and his staff for a lot of things. But these position battles, especially where you're not getting all the time that you normally get, you're not getting the spring game, you're not getting spring practices. I'm really interested to see. You know, I'm sure they're watching a ton of film on these guys, but. Uh, man, uh, that's that's going to be a big part of this defense, and that's going to be something that I'm really watching for in 2020 um, to see who can replace uh, the production that we've had at linebacker. You know, you go back, obviously, Joe Bocci, Riley Bola, Danikos Allen, Max Bola, Greg Jones. We've had so many great linebackers coming through this. Eric Gordon, you know, coming through this program over the last handful of years. And we're going to need to find that in 2020 because we know Antoine Simmons is a baller. That dude's a stud. He can play. But uh, other than that, don't really know. There's a lot of question marks. So that's my third takeaway here. Moving to number four, we're going to move back to the offensive side of the ball. And somebody that popped quite a bit similar to Jalen Naylor, he just, you know, he kept making plays and you go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Trenton Gillison, I, I think he is. A, a potential like second or third round draft pick in the NFL. Uh, obviously not, you know, this year with his age, but 
man, he is just such a fluid athlete. And obviously you had the 64 yard play where he hit the seam route over the middle, split the safeties, broke a tackle for another 10 yards after the catch. But uh, this guy, he was making plays all day long and just, again, looks really fluid running routes. He's he's getting open. He, I mean, you could have you could have hit him another five or six times in that game that he got open. Um, but man, just a fluid route runner, easy hips when he's when he's snapping off his routes, extends his hands, natural hands catcher. He's not letting the ball come into his body. He's really extending his arms and and getting outside of his frame. He's moving the chains, getting first downs. He's a capable blocker. I, I think that's definitely not yet a strength of his game. I, I think he'll continue to work on that, work on his body. But Trenton Gillison, especially as a pass catcher, he's got straight up star potential. This guy is probably the most athletic tight end that we've had at Michigan State in a long time. Uh, I mean, obviously, you go back to like Deion Sims. That dude just kept putting on weight. Um, and uh, ended up being like a blocking tight end in the NFL. Somebody almost moved him to left tackle. But when he came in out of high school, that dude was one of the freakiest athletes I've seen uh, out of Orchard Lake St. Mary's. Uh, There was a game we saw. They were playing uh, against U of D Jesuit, who had Jordan Morgan, who went to play basketball at Michigan. Um, he started there for a couple years, and and that was the big matchup in that game was Deion Sims versus Jordan Morgan, and and there was a game where Deion Sims just went right over him and dunked on his face. So um, Deion Sims was was probably the closest thing athletically, but he just put on like fifteen pounds every off season until he came out of school. At I think he came out of Michigan State at like six seven two eighty five. So um, he lost a little bit of that. Uh, athleticism, but man, Trent Gilson, going back to him again, he's, he's just a natural fluid athlete who, who really looks like a wide receiver with, you know, once he, once he gets out in the route tree and, and when he's bringing in the ball, he's not letting the ball come into his chest. He's, he's really extending his hands. He's natural with that. So you love to see it. And if, again, if he can improve the blocking, if he can, you know, get in the weight room this off season and, and really bulk up a little bit more, he can be an all-around tight end that I can see being picked in the second or third round of an NFL draft in a couple of years. So, man, the, he flashed a lot of potential. It wasn't just that 64-yard play over the middle. It, it was a lot of a whole collection of plays and and a bunch more that could have happened because he was open, but Lewerke just didn't look his way. So, Trent Gillison, real star potential. That was my fourth takeaway. And the fifth one here, you know, I was looking for one, uh, another one looking at the outlook of 2020 and, and beyond, but it, it was just something that I kept thinking about that just made me sad. A healthy Brian Lewerke for his whole career, I, I would have loved to see because I, I think these three years would have gone a whole lot differently. I, obviously, we saw in 2017 what happened where we won 10 games. He had one of the best quarterbacking performances I've seen at Michigan state in that holiday bowl against Washington state. Uh, and in 2018, I think we can all acknowledge that he didn't look right. He didn't look healthy comes out later on in the year that he wasn't healthy. The coaching staff just kept marching him out there to start a game, even though they knew he wasn't healthy and they knew he wasn't going to look very good. 
he he would get pulled by the end of the first half and and it was just ugly and, and obviously that season we went on to go 7 and 6 just like last year but if he was healthy his whole time at Michigan State i think we're in a bit of a different place right now i really do I think there's a couple more wins on that schedule the last couple of years for sure. I think we can definitely um, say that we wouldn't be seven and six the last two years, especially 2018. I think we could have easily found a couple more wins on that schedule if he were healthy last year with the great defense. If if Lewerke's really firing on all cylinders, um, I, I think we could have had a few different results there. So it was just, you know, when he was on in this game, he was looking great. He was making throws all over the field. He was running. He had a couple read options where he's breaking tackles. He's making people miss in the open field. And it just, it, it was one of those, like, ah, what could have been, man? And it was just kind of sad going back and watching it because, You know, his career, I think, is going to ultimately be a bit underappreciated when we go back and look at, you know, the the D'Antonio era and and Michigan State football because we had Kirk Cousins, because we had Connor Cook. I I think that Brian Lewerke is going to get overlooked a little bit. And some of that certainly, you know, he, he deserves some of the blame. But I also think he deserves a lot more credit than he gets and that he probably will get moving forward. So that that was just a big takeaway when you're watching him really command the offense and, and really played well in this game. It was just really unfortunate kind of going back and saying, man, what could have been in this career? Because he started off on a bang with that 10-win season, and I think we could have gotten to double-digit wins again in either 2018 or 2019. And you know, who knows what, what that domino effect is. If, you know, maybe Mark D'Antonio's still there. Maybe, you know, the outlook of the 2020 season is we're saying, you know, that, that we're a little bit more optimistic. And who knows what, what could have happened. But that, that was another takeaway for me. It's just when, when you watch Brian Lewerke when he's on, it, it's, it's really special. It's, you know, you go back to Miracle and Herb Brooks when he took Jimmy Craig. Um, and, and I, what was the name of the assistant coach, but, um, he, he's, uh, you know, said something about Jimmy Craig. He's like, you know, they, they've been saying his game's been off ever since his mom died and her Brooks looks at him and he goes, you ever see him when his game's on? And, and that's, that's Brian Lewerke for me is cause when, when he's off, it's not great, but when he's on, he's one of the best Michigan state quarterbacks I've ever seen. So, Um, I I don't think he'll really get a fair shake when it comes to the history side of it. But those were my five takeaways for that pinstripe bowl. Number one, Jalen Naylor. If he's healthy, that dude's a stud. And it's not just as a gadget player. It's as a complete wide receiver. Number two, the defensive line. They show some flashes. They show some talent. But they're going to need to be more consistent. Number three, we need to find some linebackers behind Antoine Simmons. Number four, Trenton Gillison has true, true star potential. And number five, a healthy Brian Lewerke uh, for his entire career, and and we might be in a totally different spot right now. So those are my five uh, takeaways from the uh, from the Pinstripe Bowl against Wake Forest. So you know if you haven't gone back again, it's on YouTube. You can watch the whole game. You can watch a quick cut version of it. 
Um, but you know, it's, it's just kind of nice to go back and see a good performance, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Trey Mosley was had made a couple plays in that game. Ant Williams made a couple nice plays in that game. So, you know, some of the young talent really flashed. Some of the older guys, you know, seeing the Mike Panasuk touchdown again, uh, of course, brings a smile to your face. And Shakur Brown had an awesome pass breakup where he, you know, he went up and met a guy 50-50 ball. And there there was just a lot of good stuff there. So, you know, if, if you have some time, go back and watch that on YouTube. Um, really good game there. So um, now the, the, the main event, <laughs> let's get to it. So the... The mascot, the Big Ten mascot, Battle Royale. So this, again, it it was something that was created in our group chat, and I ended up posting on Twitter. Um, But I I wanted to do this in in a couple of different ways. So there was a couple different ways that some people broke this down. We we could look at it as like a one-on-one combat, you know, Mortal Kombat kind of style, where we just took like a tournament one-by-one. You could look at it like NC Nittany did on Twitter at NC Nittany, um, who who broke it into a pod system based on ability level. So pod one, the Terrapin, the Gopher, the Hawkeye, and the Hoosier. Pod two, Purdue Pete, Spartan, the the um, Scarlet Knight, the Buckeye, the Illini, and the Cornhusker. And pod three, the Lion, the Wildcat, the Badger, and the Wolverine. Um, a couple great responses as well. Uh, Matt Hall said that if Purdue Pete gets to ride the train, it's game over. So that's an interesting take on it. You know, obviously the mascot, he's got a hammer, but if he gets his train, that that could change things a little bit. Um, You have sports predictions on Twitter said, good luck trying to get out of a train elevator of, or a grain elevator of corn, uh, probably as uh, referring to the corn husker being, you know, a little bit overlooked in this. Uh, but the way I'm going to look at it here today is the way that uh, Jason Vasa, I think that's how you pronounce it on Twitter, said, I'm assuming that there's a human side and an animal side. So he said, give me the Spartan on the human side, and I'd pay good money to see a three-way fight between a wolverine, a badger, and a mountain lion. Um, now, that's kind of the way I'm going to look at it. So, So here's what we're going to do. We have two sides, the human side and the animal side. We're going to just put them all together in a cage, battle royale, um, and see who comes out on top of the of the whole group, all fighting each other. And then we're going to have one winner on each side, and then they will take on one another, 1v1, Mortal Kombat style. So on the animal, on the animal side, we have the Iowa Hawkeyes. I, Technically, it's just the hawk eye, but I'll give them the whole hawk. So we have a, a hawk from the Iowa side. We have the Penn State Nittany Lion. We have the Northwestern Wildcat. We have the Minnesota Golden Gopher. We have the Wisconsin Badger. We have the Maryland Terrapin. And we have the Michigan Wolverine. And on the people side, the Michigan State Spartan the Nebraska Corn Husker, the Indiana Hoosier, the Rutgers Scarlet Knight, the Illinois Fighting Illini, and the Purdue Boilermaker. Um, and then somewhere in the middle, you have the Buckeye. It's a nut, so I'm I'm just going to say they lose. Uh, Ohio State, you win everything else, so you can lose the, the mascot battle. 
you're not really taking part in here because you're, you're not going to do anything. I, I know they're poisonous, but you know, I could just uh, smash it with my foot or something. I don't know. They're out. So let's start with the animal side here. You have the, the hawk is the only flying animal here. So that, that gives the hawk a distinct advantage. You have the two big cats. Now, now an important distinction here, the Nittany lion is more of a mountain lion. Those, those are weighing in somewhere over a hundred pounds, a hundred to 175 pound cat. The wildcat is more in the bobcat family, somewhere 15 to 35 pounds. So I, I think it's safe to say that we're only getting one big cat, and the Nittany lion is a hell of a lot bigger. So so give me the Nittany lion um, over that. Um, you have the golden gopher, you have the badger, the, the Maryland terrapin, and the wolverine. Now, obviously, wolverines are scrappy little, you know, SOBs. They... they They've been known to take down a lot bigger animals than themselves. Uh, there's been reports that, that wolverines have taken down like a moose or a, a wolf or something. Um, so wolverines can't be overlooked here. Now, the terrapin, the Maryland terrapin, when you Google it, it's it's a small to medium-sized turtle. So it's, it's not one of these big freaking snapping turtles or something. It's a small to medium turtle. I think they're going to shell up uh, and maybe can just can just ride it out right and maybe can just just survive uh in the shell but i think somebody's gonna smash them up a little bit the terrapin's probably gonna be out pretty early um the the gopher as well you know that that's just uh they don't really have the teeth or the claws that some of these other animals do so the gopher and the terrapin are going to be out early the wolverine and the badger uh, would be a, a good little battle there um, I'll take the Wolverine just a little bit more scrappy than a normal badger. So um, that leaves us with a Wolverine, a Nittany lion, and a hawk, you know, all together fighting. And, and again, this is where the hawk can kind of sit back. He, he can just perch up on the, you know, up, up in the sky, fly around, wait for the wait for the one-on-one -on -one matchup. And that's where he's gonna he's gonna, you know, attack. So you're you're looking at the Nittany Lion. Obviously, the Wolverine's scrappy. I, I think he can get some good blows in there. But you're looking at a hundred to 175 pound cat. That's a terrifying proposition. So the Nittany Lion is going to take down the Wolverine. Um, and and then it just comes down to the fact: can can the Nittany Lion pick the hawk out of the sky? So the hawk's going to come in on these dive bombs. Is the Nittany Lion quick enough and and strong enough to take him down out of the sky? Because once once he gets him once, it's over, right? Once he gets one swipe at him, it's over. So um, I, I think the Nittany Lion's going to come out on top here over the Hawk again. You know, he's going to come in on some dive bombs, maybe maybe mess him up a little bit. But I, I think the Nittany Lion ultimately just gets one paw up there, gets him out of the sky. And once he gets him on the ground, it's over real quick. So the Nittany Lion's going to come out of the Animal Battle Royale. And the people battle royale is going to be real interesting here. So uh, we have the Spartan from Michigan State, you have the Cornhusker from Nebraska, the Hoosier from Indiana, which, if if you're not aware, is is basically just the average person from Indiana, the Hoosier. It'd be like if we were the Michigan State Michiganders, right? So you have just a, a regular guy from Indiana or girl. You have the Scarlet Knight. You have the Fighting Illini, who is. Uh, Again, if you're not aware, it's a it's uh, from the Alina Aliniwek Alinawek Indian, uh, whereas Indians, whereas a group of about twelve Native American tribes in the uh, Midwest area. So let's assume you get the chief, uh, you get Big Chief. 
um, up there for the Illini, and then Purdue Pete, the Boilermaker. So, uh, you know, when you're, when you're looking at it, I think the corn Husker, he doesn't really have any weapons. He's, he's got some ears of corn, probably a strong dude, you know, working on the farm, but just without any weapons, that's going to be a tough battle. The Hoosier again, you know, Indiana people, they're, they're good, good down to earth people, you know, they're salt of the earth, but when it comes to a battle Royale against a Spartan, a knight, native American chief. I think he's he's going to have a rough day. So the the Cornhusker and the Hoosier, I think we can knock out early. Now, the Boilermaker is an interesting one here because when you look into the face of Purdue Pete, he has no soul. He he will absolutely haunt your nightmares if you stare at that face long enough. And, and so Purdue Pete, with his big ass hammer, his giant head, and these just dark soulless eyes. I think he's he's going to be a bit of a problem here. Now the the Illini, I, I think that's going to be a, a pretty early out. Um, it just no armor, no maybe he gets a bow and arrow or something. But you know, I just don't think he's really battle tested like the rest of these guys, um, like the Spartan or the Scarlet Knight. So I think it really comes down to the Spartan, the Scarlet Knight, and the Purdue Pete, the Boilermaker. Now. Again, Purdue Pete, he's got the big hammer. He's got no soul. We we know this, but I, I just don't think he has the battle acumen to, to really stand up with a trained fighters in the Spartan and the Scarlet Knight. And then it comes down to those two where the Scarlet Knight, you have the armor, the Spartan, you have the speed, right? So uh, give me if, if 2020, if the, if the year of 2020 has taught me anything and, and the football in this era has taught me anything, speed kills uh so give me the spartan give me the spartan with all of his speed his agility his spear uh, i think he can find a crack in the armor find a hole in the armor and he's he's just gonna dance around and, and find a weakness maybe tire out the scarlet knight again this is a battle royale type of situation where where the scarlet knight has maybe had to been fighting off for for a few minutes here he's already a little winded carrying around this heavy armor and the Spartans just getting going. So give me the Spartan to come out of the people section because speed kills. He's got weapons. Um, and, and I really think that he's, he's going to be the best, the most battle tested of this group. He was born to kill and, and everything in that sense. So give me the Spartan out of the people. And now you have a one-on-one mortal combat style. You have the Spartan, and you have the Nittany Lion again. Let's let's say we we take the big of the big. So a hundred and seventy five pound mountain lion against a Spartan. Now, if you remember the film Three Hundred, uh, there's one thing that I learned in this movie was that Leonidas had to go into the woods at like freaking ten years old and kill a wolf to even be like accepted as a man in Spartan culture. So. I think they know a thing or two about taking down a, a an animal, about taking down a wild creature. So, in just be just based on that, he's probably already killed like seventeen mountain lions in his life to feed his family. So, give me the Spartan over the mountain lion. He's he's had to kill a wolf when he was like ten years old to become a man. He's he's had to kill big cats before. I'm sure sometime in his life. Um, he's he's a born killer. He's a born warrior. Give me the Spartan to come out of this battle royale, out of this Mortal Kombat style um, tournament. However you want to look at it, I think the Spartan, the born killer in him, is going to come out. So the Spartan, 
is my is my Big Ten mascot to come out above all over others. So um, again, go ahead, follow on Twitter. Give your thoughts about the Pinstripe Bowl. Give me your thoughts on the uh, Big Ten mascots, who you think would win that fight. Uh, subscribe on Apple. Give me a review. Give me some questions. I, I would love to go into literally anything. Again, we, we've talked about conference realignment. We've talked about fighting mascots. You, you can ask me anything on there. I would love to to answer it for you on the podcast. Couple awesome, awesome episodes coming up. So make sure you subscribe. The next one, we got an interview with some folks that you're going to want to hear from. Um, I got some some things in the work as well. We got a couple interviews kind of lined up here with some former Michigan State football players. Really, really, really excited. So please, please subscribe. Follow on Twitter at Standing Room MSU. Tell your Spartan friends and family because I, I'm really excited and I really appreciate the support. So thank you so much, folks. Have yourselves a day. Take care.